Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. This is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening, everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue Conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be asking, should we invest more in space exploration? What is the best sitcom of all time? And how would you rather get to a destination? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. These discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked you to send in your opinions on this question. Are expectations around relationships sexist? So let's find out what you guys have been saying. So our first message comes in from Rebecca. And she says, as much as the world has changed a lot and you can't get away with sexism like you used to, I do still think that there is a lot of sexist traditions, shall we call them, around relationships. Everything everything from who is expected to ask who out on a date to who pays the bill on a date and the, the ways people put things on social media. It seems there are a lot of male roles and a lot of women's roles. And if anybody hears that you've done anything differently to what is expected, everyone seems really shocked. It doesn't make sense to me, but there's definitely still a lot of sexism in relationships. Callum, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think Rebecca's absolutely right. I think um, the examples she's given are really good ones. They were kind of the examples that really prompted uh, us to select this as a question in the first place i mm. think in terms of you know uh, generally it's expected that a man asks out a woman on the relationship in in a heterosexual relationship um 
uh, the man generally is, I still think there's then a slight expectation that a man will pay the bill on the day and things like this. So, so in those sense, or in that sense, I think there's a, there is that little bit of underlying sexism there. I mean, do you agree with Rebecca, George? I do. I do think that we if you really look into relationships and uh, the forms that maybe people um, take on and the the, the, uh, responsibilities that each sex takes on in in a heterosexual relationship, then, yeah, I do think there is maybe an element and an element of sexism. But do you if you are generally going out on a date, Callum, would you Mm. would you feel like it's it would be it's politeness that you pay for the meal out of. It's not because you feel it's what the man should do. Do you, do you think it's more in today's society? It's more actually down to how polite we are holding a door open for a girl to walk through. Is that not just down to us being polite? Um, I think in certain scenarios, yeah, it is, is down to politeness because I, I would open or I would hold the door open for a, for a man as much as a, as a woman. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily a day as such, but if I went out for um, a drink with my friend, I, I would offer to buy them a drink, probably, sort of thing. So, so I suppose in, in that in that sense, like um, th- that's not necessarily sexist. But yeah, I think you you are right as well, though, George, in that um, that maybe there is an element of politeness in this. Um, or, although I just think. I just feel like that in terms of the very concept of dating and in a date scenario, it Mm. is really ultimately expected because I'm a man that I would pay for dinner rather than because I'm being polite. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with that. Would would you, would you, I I do um, in a way agree with it. I mean, I, if I go on a date, um, not that I go on many, but if I go on a date, um, I would always make sure that I try and pay for the bill and, and make sure that I'm yeah. treating the lady. Um, but I mean, I, I also would, would you be shocked if um, the girl turned around and said, don't worry about this. I'll get this, uh, the bill. Would you feel a bit uncomfortable about that? Um, I don't in a sense, yeah, I think ultimately I'd like to say no, I wouldn't feel uncomfortable about that. But yeah. but I think there is that slight, you know, like you're not doing your role on a date properly. Yeah. It's, it's completely <laughs> it's completely outdated. Yeah, it's wrong. Um, but... And it's completely sexist as the as the question talks about. But even so, I think we are still all bound by these kind of um, sexist expectations. Mm. Right then, moving on to the next opinion. It's from Sam, and Sam says, maybe a few years ago, but now I really think that relationships are more like fluid in a way when it comes to expectations and genders and stuff like that. I don't go on many dates, but when I have done, I don't think there's ever been sexism. Like, I'll offer to pay the bill, but if the girl really insists on it, then maybe we'll split it. I've dated some more like headstrong and confident girls who honestly wouldn't let you get away with sexism in a relationship. So maybe that's why. But I don't really see sexism uh, in any of my friends' relationships either, to be honest. George, what do you think about that opinion? Um, I think Sam actually highlights quite an interesting point in that I think it depends who you go out with um, because you have some 
um, girls and blokes that, that have different opinions on things. And um, there are some blokes that like to be treated as if they're a prince and there are some girls that like to be treated as if they are a princess um but yeah. then you you do have those that are more um kind of um equal and want want to be treated equally in a relationship and make sure that they, they there isn't that kind of i don't know um spoiling going on and, and to make sure you both are showing the same amount of love and and, and putting equal amounts into a relationship um but i i, I think that it is right that we highlight in today's society that there is less and less of this going on. Um, and I think maybe because, you know, if you, at the end of the day, if you love someone, of course you're going to want to treat them. And of course you're going to want to take them out. And yes, on occasions, um, the guy might pay the bill, but I'm sure when it comes to special occasions about the guy, the girl's going to pay the bill. So yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, it, it actually turns out quite equal who pays for what. But what do you think, Callum? Yeah, no, I agree. Because I think when we were talking more about je- dates in general, we were talking about first dates. Yeah. Uh, and that that's when the expectation is the man pays the bill. I do think it evolves over time sort of thing. The only thing I'd say with um, Sam's opinion is that I, I wonder if it is making the point that there there is sexism in relationships because just to kind of quote what Sam says, so like I'll offer to pay the bill, but if the girl really insists on it, then maybe we'll split it. Yeah. Um, I think that's just highlighting the fact that there is still an expectation that the, the man pays the bill. And, and, and Sam, um, I mean, I don't think Sam's sexist or anything like that, but I think the fact that Sam is saying if they insist on it, then maybe we'll split it is highlighting the fact that even for, even for him, then that um, expectation there um, it is kind of limiting the ability to which he is open to actually allowing a woman to have control over what she wants to do. Like he paid, pay the bill or pay half the bill or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I just quickly want to get this uh, last one in from Dean. And they say, I think it depends on where the expectation has come from. My older brother, he's nearly 10 years older than me, has moved out of our home into his girlfriend's house recently. And my parents were quite shocked at the idea of him, A, dating someone who can afford her own place when he can't, and B, moving into her house instead of him buying a place and her moving into his place. That's sexist, but that was from my parents, not actually from my brother or his girlfriend who are obviously cool with it so it depends who you ask Callum opinion on that quickly yeah no I mean I completely agree though that um this can to an extent be a generational thing Mm. as well and I think certainly the extent to which we would deem relationships sexist and things like that I think the the are arguably our parents relationships are generally or our parents generation are generally a bit more sexist and that's not to imply that's a bad thing because obviously societies involve evolve and societies adapt and things like this but i do think that there we are slowly and it will progress more in the future but we are slowly ditching some of these more um sexist conceptions of what relationships should be like so i can see dean's point in terms of it is generational yeah and i I mean i i must say i think it's very easy for us to sit here and say what a relationship should be like and how it should be equal and everything but as we've seen and and as as we quite rightly say this whole sexism idea is a very generational thing and let's be honest the ones that um most of the marriages that have lasted are ones that of our grandparents and and 
most of the older parents um and it it seems to have worked for them so it, it depends what works for you really at, at the yeah. end of the day when it comes down to a relationship um right then so remember we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show but it is now time for our next uh, for our first song break of this evening so we'll be back very soon Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Time to move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we are asking the question, should we invest more in space exploration? So 50 years ago was the first ever moon landing when Neil Armstrong famously uttered the words, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Back then, the Apollo 11 mission was extremely costly, with estimates suggesting the program's total cost was about $25.4 billion, which is about $152 billion in today's dollars. However, the extraordinary feat required massive and rapid technological improvements, all of which were then applied on Earth to companies such as Boeing, Stanley Black & Decker, and Velcro. Today, NASA and other organizations are working towards further space exploration in the hope of harnessing knowledge of the vast unknown that could be applied on a more micro scale to Earth. But is this a sound investment? George, do you think investment should be continued into space exploration? Well, um, it's for me, I, I can't think of anything that is actually kind of more um amazing to be able to go and search space and see what is going on up there because who knows what we would discover whether it could be a new kind of medicine a potentially a new element um or and potentially even life out there um and i think it would it would be incredible to to see all this and and to be part of of that development in human history but at the same time i think it's only right that we weigh up all the pros and cons of it and as lovely as it is to kind of have the um exploration of space um, as a possibility i think there are better things that our money can be spent on at the moment um i i am of the opinion that if we had um if we were in a position where there was no poverty that people weren't going hungry that uh, people were be able to get health care all the time and we had a pot of money that was left over then absolutely let's spend it on going into space but i don't see how people can argue the benefits essentially of going into space when we don't really know what's up there. If there was something up there, like if we knew there was the uh, the cure for diabetes up there or something like that, then yeah, absolutely, I would be behind it. But we just don't have that technology to know exactly what's up there, to know exactly what we can gain out of going into space. So for me, as much as I would love to be able to sit here and say, yes, we should be going into space, I think in today's society, we have more important things to do because as well, it's not like we haven't done it. It's not like we aren't currently doing it. You know, we have a space shuttle up there. We have all these different devices that are still currently um, orbiting the Earth and going to Mars and Jupiter and so on and so forth. And it's not like we're not doing it, but I feel like there is enough investment in it already. So I don't think we need to invest any more money into it. But what do you think, Callum? Um, I think probably the actual level 
which we're investing at the moment is about right. But I think in general, we shouldn't almost fall into the very short-termist argument in terms of, uh, well, we, ha we haven't eradicated poverty, so why should we be looking into space exploration? Um, and the kind of example that I used to kind of emphasize my point actually came from, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was basically involved in the um, Apollo mission in general, uh, and he was kind of one of the um, more higher up within NASA or, or the space organizations. Um, mm. And and basically he had a letter around the time uh, when uh, NASA and the idea of going into space and things like this first came around um, from someone who was seeing poverty firsthand and said, well, well why aren't you investing this money into that and eradicating that? Um, and the example that um, he gave to kind of highlight why um, it's actually a worthwhile investment and why it can help um, to eradicate poverty is that um, basically back in, um, say, a few hundred years ago, um, there was this um, count um, who came across one of his ordinary citizens who was basically working on a piece of glass that was capable of looking at smaller organisms. Um, and he was very much fascinated by this um, to the point where he actually employed him into his manor and took him into his estate um, and, and paid him to carry on with his research into this. And um, a lot of the ordinary citizens were getting very, very annoyed because they were saying, well, why is he getting paid to, to look at a piece of glass when we're, we're dying of the plague, essentially? And what actually happened was... Um, that this piece of glass ended up being one of the forerunners to a microscope, which obviously a microscope was instrumental in allowing us a better understanding of um, medicine and eventually curing the plague and ensuring that people don't die of the plague anymore. So even if in that immediate time, um, by paying this this guy it didn't actually save these people it saved future generations from dying of the thing that, that they were dying of then so i think it, that highlights the fact that um even if in the short term an investment doesn't seem necessarily worthwhile and it's not going to have real world practical applications it 100 percent can and, and i think um the argument against it is very similar to people making the argument of you know why we shouldn't have tried and why we shouldn't invest in um or, or invest in humanitarian aid and things like this i think we've got to have a more encompassing approach to what we're investing in and we've got to think beyond just the short term because realistically let, let's say if we stopped investing all of our our money that we're currently investing um into um, space exploration and we invest that into combating poverty i'm sorry but poverty would still exist truth be told um and, and so i think that space exploration and the new discoveries that it can generate and the more kind of general interest in science that it provokes can actually eventually mean we can better tackle poverty and we can better tackle these big kind of social issues yeah i mean i i do um I think you make some fa fascinating points um, and it's really interesting um, idea that you, you put across there about uh, what you've said. But, but, but 
Um, as well, I think when we talk about NASA and getting a man on the moon and everything, back then it was very much a uh, a competition between two countries, obviously Russia and America. Yeah. Um, whereas now, I believe, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it is more a um, a coalition of countries that are trying to help things in space because I know the astronauts that are on um, the space shuttle that goes orbits the earth there are um british men and women there are japanese men and women there are all different nationalities um which i think is so important because if you um take it away from that competition just to see who can get into space first and now we are seeing countries work together on this i think yeah it is absolutely important and and as i said earlier i i don't think we should be investing any more um because i i think that would be wrong when we are doing fine as we are right now i mean i i feel like do you ever feel like that there is only so much that we can do as human beings to get into space like do you ever feel like there is going to be that technology to allow us to go actually and put a a man on mars or a man on venus do you do you think that we have the capability i suppose and and the materials around us to allow us to do that or do you think we are kind of we've gone as far as we can in terms of getting man in space um i I think it's a difficult one because um partly just because i I, i'm not a scientist myself i I, my instinct (laughs) is is to say yes science can go further and we, we can go further in terms of space exploration but uh, in terms of you know specific planets and things like this i mean um i think it ultimately depends on whether or not it's a, it's a gas planet or whether or or what the kind of atmosphere is around there yeah. and whether or not it's it's going to cause any harm to people from earth to to go and, and land on there because obviously we 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 did know or we found out that the moon was okay to go and land on but obviously (laughs) of course yeah um but obviously like other planets might well be different so so Mm. i i think that there is further though that space exploration can go i mean by the question george it sounded like maybe you think we have reached kind of the the plateau of what we can achieve or, or do you think we can go further i i think in your and my lifetime i think we've reached the the uh the plateau of how far we can go but i definitely think there is always improvement in in science and technology because in the last 20 years you know we have a lot of technology that 20 years ago we would have been laughing at if we told someone that we would have what we have today um so i think yeah there is always that opportunity to to develop further and further and i think essentially as well currently the space exploration and us allowing to be in space which i think is vital in today is that it allows us to follow and um see the the development of climate change um and i think that's one of the biggest benefits of us being in space right now with the space shuttle because we are able to track how climate change is going on and we are also able to see how we are changing climate change and measure it properly yeah well and one other thing just to very briefly bring up as well is that um, when the first images of, of the Earth seen from above as such, from space or from our, our own atmosphere, when, when they came about, it did provoke a greater interest in um, how we're treating our mm. Earth and in climate change activism and things like this because of the fact that it actually showed how delicate and precious 
um, our earth is. Um, yeah. Just before we go to the song break, George, how do you think this poll is going to go? Do you think people are going to say we should invest more in space exploration? Absolutely. I think it's going to be a 75-15% split. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think yes is going to wipe oh. the floor. On I can't one. do maths, actually. <laughs> no, you can't. 75-25, no. you mean. Yeah, thank you, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> right then, time to go to our second song break of this evening. But remember to vote on this poll. Should we invest more in space exploration? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk for us listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Before the break, we asked the question, should we invest more in space exploration? Uh, and I believe the results to that are just coming in. So, yep, uh, 71% of people have said, yes, we should invest more in space exploration, compared to 29% of you that have said, no, we shouldn't. So, George, it was about really what we expected, wasn't it? Well, I mean, I, I was expecting uh, no to be 15%, but... Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, yeah, you were, you were, yes. And then just 10% completely undecided, you thought? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I would never make it into space because I can't do maths. <laughs> so there we go. Um, right, so let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, what is the best sitcom of all time? So everybody needs to escape from reality. And what better way to do that than watching someone else's life and being able to laugh and cry at it? Over the years, we have seen so many different sitcoms come about. Some have been an absolute flop, and others have become part of our lives. But we want to know what you think is the best sitcom out of the following. The options are The Office UK, Friends, Only Fools and Horses, Seinfeld, Arrested Development, or Other. And Callum, can I be any clearer? What's your <laughs> what's your uh, favourite sitcom out of those? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, Friends is my my favourite out of those options. Um, it's the one that I've kind of grown up watching, um, and I just absolutely love it. I'm, it's so quotable. Um, I, I very much like the character development within Friends as well, um, in terms of, you know, the, 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 I think all of the characters do have, to a certain level, arcs, although they do remain true to their characters as well. Um and and I think that also another real important part of Friends is the fact that I think the ending is strong as well. Whereas a lot of sitcoms you find are really funny in their breakout couple of seasons and then they they maybe lose their way a little bit. Um, and yeah. although I think there maybe was a slight deterioration in quality of Friends, I don't think it was particularly drastic or anything like that. Um, so so I, I very much, you know, that that is the option I would pick. Um to be honest, of these options, uh, I hadn't watched that many prior to this week. Uh, so I'd seen a little bit of The Office, but I'll, I'll leave that to you, for you to talk about a bit more, George, because <laughs> uh, I understand you, you have watched a lot more of that. Only Fools and Horses is something I hadn't seen until this week. Um, but um, I think kind of having read up on other, people, uh, other people's <laughs> opinions online, um, I think one of the big things about Only Fools and Horses is that um, 
there was a certain sense of nostalgia about it as a sitcom because it came at a time when when that style of sitcom had become or seen as outdated um and it very much was um kind of run of the mill compared to what was like 10 years prior to it sort of thing what sitcoms were like then but alternate sitcoms had come about by then um so i think there was a great sense of nostalgia but also you know it spinned a spin-off prequels and also a musical uh and there's a just a massive cult following for only fools and horses i mean i don't think you can kind of um rule that out as such uh in terms of seinfeld um i mean that obviously uh, chronicles kind of the misadventures of New York City stand-up comedian Jerry Seinfeld and mm-hmm. his New York City friends. Um, I think one of the interesting things about that compared to something like Friends is that um, the the showrunners of that had a kind of philosophy of no lessons learned was the role of the show. So basically it meant that the characters stayed tr- true to character from start to finish, yeah. um, which I would argue is not necessarily the greatest thing in the world because... Um, but perhaps it means that there is no arc of a character and they don't develop at all. But if that's the kind of comedy you're after, and I think that's one of the key things with Seinfeld is um, I think you have to have a certain sense of humour to enjoy it. Whereas maybe Friends, the reason why I think that will come out on top on this one is because it's much more accessible for everyone. Um, but George, what what about you? I mean, I'm guessing Friends is <laughs> top for you as well, is it? Um, I, I, it's, it's hard for me. I think, I, I think with me is I watch friends, um, all the time. I really do. It's kind of like my go-to thing. If there's nothing else to watch, I would absolutely, um, be happy enough to sit back and watch an episode of friends that I've seen about a hundred times, um, because I still find it just as funny and, and I still am feeling that I can engage within it and love the characters as if I was just meeting them. Um, and, I, and I feel that is something really special about Friends, that every other sitcom has tried to um, re, redo, but has never been that successful around. Um, and, and Friends is something that everyone can kind of relate to, as you rightly say, Callum. Um, but, but as well, I was a massive fan of The Office. Um, I've, I've watched it time and time and again on Netflix um, because it's it's a very funny um and it's got great humor in it and i think there are again there's really interesting developments within that and i think what is essentially fantastic about um the office is there is such a underlining even though the main character um is is quite um obviously main in it but there are so many different backstories in it as well of the other co-stars and i think that is so important within it because it really wraps up in a beautiful way. And for me, before I move on to any others, I think that's maybe why The Office and Friends are so um, well-established and I love them so much. It's because they wrap them up. They wrap them up so well. And I feel like the ending of both of them was actually beautiful. And it really, I, I felt like I could leave it and be happy with how it ended, whether other sitcoms I've been a bit like, oh, why, why have you ended it like that? Um but only fools and horses again i think that is a just an example of classic british comedy yeah um it's very much what i would like to call dad comedy um something that if i sat down with my dad he would be crying with laughter and i would just be looking at him going why am i related to you um <laughs> 
and but but it's it's kind of like that it, the the era thing the generation thing if my dad sat down and watched friends he wouldn't find it as funny as i find it and wouldn't get half the jokes and everything um whereas like i said it's completely different for only fools and horses so i think if we asked a different audience yeah. i think we'd get a completely different um response and, and I, but then we we move on to um you've kind of highlighted on uh, seinfeld if we look at arrested development again that's a really interesting um plot where someone's got to uh, run uh, the family business after their father goes to prison and it's about him being the role model and the challenges and the comedy aspects around what he has to do yeah. to, to develop the company and his life um and I, and I think this is the kind of the essential thing around a successful um, sitcom because we, we've taken these sitcoms from the IM, is it IMDB? Yes. That, yeah. yeah. The IMDB like top five and these are the best rated on IMDB. Um, and I think the, the best thing about a sitcom is that they are things that they are uh, shows that allow the, the, the viewer to get truly emotionally attached to the characters and, and it distracts them from their own life. And I think that is what's key to any successful sitcom is something that you can sit down and forget about what's going on in your life. And you just immerse yourself in someone else's life as if you're actually in that world as well. And I think that that is so important about these um, sitcoms because they've done it so, so well. Um, but, Definitely, definitely for me, it would have to be either Friends or The Office. Okay, okay. I mean, just talking about Arrested Development as well, that's something I also started this week. And um, the, the concept is fairly strange, I'd say, in terms of Arrested Development, but I did very much enjoy it. And I think one of the things that's very good about it, it's very quotable. Uh, yeah. You know, I've, yeah. I've all, all already, and I've only watched about eight episodes of it, I've already picked up there's always money in a banana stand um, <laughs> just straight away from watching it only a little bit. I'd got that by about the third episode. And, and also I think they, they really amplify um, that series outside of, of um, real life. So, so one example um, is that on Netflix, the rating stars for arrested development are bananas. I, Definitely, that's the case in in the US. In the UK, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't had a chance to look, but, but certainly they do amplify it, obviously, in the States, which is where it's originally from. And yeah. I think, you know, there's just lots of puns in there and deadpan delivery. Um, one um, sitcom that didn't quite make the cut uh, in terms of it, but maybe could come under others that you know that I love, George, and I have to bring it up, um, is How to Make Your Mother. Of course. Um, I mean, that for me, I, if you'd have asked me probably before the final season of How I Mother, I would have said that is its best sitcom of all time. Uh, because I think the way that it blended comedy and drama was amazing to, to an extent that not many other shows would do that. I mean, they, they have one of the characters' fathers die in it and they, they have the funeral scene and everything like that. And there's not many um, comedies that will be willing to kind of tackle that. Um, but the trouble with having it over is they did stuff the landing um, and the ending was abysmal. Um, so unfortunately for that, you, you have to look at these as the complete stories, really, or at least up until they broadcasted today. Um, so on that basis, I don't think how many mother could be on. there. Was there any others for you, George? I mean, I, I want that question. I just want to ask you a question. Is that not the, the sitcom that everyone kind of says is a, uh, a badder version of Friends? 
I mean, you would say that. Uh, and and, <laughs> and uh, I partly sympathise with that view, especially for the, the first season, um, because I think when you've got a juggernaut with such kind of um, cultural capital as what Friends has got, of course, it's very hard not to tread on what they're doing. But I think if you watch later seasons and you see where it goes... Yeah. Um, you realise that it's it's not like Friends at all, especially the the formula of How I Met Your Mother is completely different to Friends. And and one other thing I'd say as well is that, and one thing that I absolutely loved about it was there's a clear end goal in mind yeah. for for How I Met Your Mother, whereas a lot of comedy series I think suffer or sitcom series suffer from the fact that they don't have an end goal in mind, so they don't know where they're taking these characters at all. Um, the example that springs to mind is probably Big Bang Theory, um, which obviously, in my opinion, has ran for far too long. And I, I am glad it's going, even though I do actually enjoy watching it and I have been watching it recently as yeah. well. I mean, I, I the, uh, the let's bring it back to the question instead of your rant about how I met your mother. Um, I mean, that's another, George. <laughs> um, I, um, I think probably the one I would like to put on this list is Miranda. I mean, I know it's quite centralised to the United Kingdom, but I, I, I don't know. I just love Miranda as an actress and as a comedian, and I feel like her sitcom works beautifully. With she was kind of like the first one to to make the eye contact with the camera and make actually the audience feel really involved in the, in the sitcom, um, yeah. and, and feel like she was actually talking directly to you. Um, and I thought that was actually quite impressive. And I and I don't know. I just her kind of childish humor actually made me laugh a lot you know her falling over and stuff did make me laugh a lot and i really did enjoy it i didn't feel like that emotional attachment as i, as I did to the office and friends but if i wanted a good laugh then i absolutely would put miranda on yeah yeah i mean um, that's a brilliant sitcom and what what one do you think is going to come out on top Callum? uh i've already said it friends i think what about you uh <laughs> um Probably, I, do you know what? I'm going to just be different because uh, I like to try and be different. I'm going to say The Office UK. Okay, we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, we will. So remember to uh, vote on this question. What is the best sitcom of all time? And the options are The Office UK, Friends, Only Fools and Horses, Seinfeld, Arrested Development or other. And you can do that on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. We'll be back before you know it. Welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, what is the best sitcom of all time? And as always, you guys have been voting away. So the results have just come in and they are as follows. The Office UK got 12%. Friends got 41%. Only Fools and Horses got 16%. Seinfeld got 9%. Arrested Development got 17%. And Other got 5%. Callum, your thoughts quickly? Um, I'm not particularly shocked by that. I mean, as I said, I thought Friends would come out on top. Um, Arrested Development, obviously, is one of the newer um, or, or the newest show there. So yeah. it's not entirely surprising that that's going to come higher. Um, possibly Only Fools and Horses is a bit of an outlier for me. I mean, what did you think? Just very quickly, George. Uh, totally agree with everything you said. Ah, uh, well, I am very agreeable. Well, right then, uh, time to go on to topic four this evening. And we are asking, how would you rather get to a destination? So the options are walk, car or public transport. 
So whether it's popping to the shops or heading off on a domestic adventure, you've got to get there somehow. So, George, how do you prefer to travel? On the highway to the danger zone in the car, walking in the sunshine or in boring old public transport? I mean, I must say we are getting so creative with these last topics. Um, <laughs> we, I, I, uh, I, because I drive and because I have a car that sits outside um, on my driveway, I think I would absolutely say that I would use my car wherever I go. If I have the opportunity to walk, then I will probably do that. But out of everything there, I will say I use my car. I, I don't mind admitting that. I, I would say that I should walk more and I should definitely probably use public transport more when I go to London. But I still choose to drive when I go to London. Um I, I don't know why. I love my car. I love driving it. It's there to be driven. So why not use it? How about you, Callum? <laughs> apart, from, uh, apart from using my car, you're not allowed to say using my car. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't drive. So obviously, no, you just get shown around. Well, you know, I give you petrol money, uh, but you? we're not having this argument. on <laughs> <it>. um, <laughs> No, I mean, obviously, if I did drive, I think generally what I would prefer to do for like smaller trips just within my local community, within Fanet or within Kent. Um, I'd rather use the car um, or, or walk in, obviously, for the very small trips. But ge- but in general, I think car most commonly. But for a longer trip, I, I would much rather use public transport, a, a train, effectively, not a, not a coach or a bus. I don't, I don't like them too much. But the train, <laughs> I find comfortable. I mean, especially... Uh, if you're traveling on a Virgin train, I very much like Virgin trains. I think they are really good. You know, if, if you can get it sometimes where it's, you know, one or two pound difference between first class and second class or whatever, whatever it's called, um, I, I might as well get the first class and then you get a bit of food as well to, to go of it, you know. So I think... Probably, ultimately, if we're talking about a longer destination, I'll say public transport. But obviously, if I get a car um, or once I can learn to drive, I might well change my mind on that. Well, I, I'm very much looking forward to be able to say, Callum, that I can uh, go in your car and be chauffeured around. <laughs> you should be so lucky. <laughs> right then, time to move on to uh, another song break. Uh, but don't forget, you have the chance to vote on this poll. How would you rather get to a destination? So the options are walk, car, or public transport. You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we asked, how would you rather get to a destination? So 14% of you said you'd prefer to walk. 47% of you said you'd prefer to get in the car. And 39% of you said you prefer public transport. So George, no real shocks there, really. Or or, or are you surprised by um, how actually close public transport and the car are? Um. Not really, because um, I would say probably a lot of our listeners maybe don't drive. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking, George. I mean, you're, I'm agreeing with you for once. It's, a, it's shocking, well, I, I, I am a genius, Callum. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. 
<laughs> right then, we've reached the time to end this evening's show. So thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Cup and Girl. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question, would you ever consider internet dating? You can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizardradio. So remember that question is, would you ever consider internet dating? And we're looking forward to hearing your opinions next week, but it's now t- time for Callum and I to be leaving. So as always, I have been the license-holding George Lawrence Cup. And I've been the non-licensed holding calendar. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.